Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. ESNY. first um, just before eight o'clock in the evening uh, very very awesome episode tonight as we move closer to the NBA restart uh, as always rolling with Chip Murphy and uh, we have a great co-host who's been a on plenty of times before friend of the pod um, you know he, he might as well uh, move in and, and and pay rent at this point we have this guy on so much um, Alex Trataros of Hoops Habit Alex what's going on bud how you doing Good, man. Just living the life. It's a nice day out here in Boston. Just ready to talk some hoops, hang out with you guys. And uh, what's rent? That, that's the biggest question. How much is rent? <laughs> you know what? It's it, it would be like a six-pack of beers split between me, you, and Chip, honestly. Yeah. That, uh, that would be yeah, pretty much depends it. Depends on who you ask right now. Yeah, right. I guess. <laughs> Some people think it should be nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. That yep. is a good point. Yeah. Um, so we have like a whole bunch of topics that we wanted to talk about. The, the crux of this, uh, episode is, is going to be, um, kind of like a, a top five list from each of us of players that we still have faith in, uh, that we still think can be good and serviceable. Um, you know, these are players that, you know, from, from the 2015, 16 and 17 draft class, we wanted to put some kind of parameters in place. Uh, players that have some years in the league, but not too many. Uh, so you, you kind of have to make a judgment based on what you've seen from their situations, maybe limited playing time, um, you know, a, a, a full um, full depth in the full, you know, the, the, the depth chart kind of in the roster. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. But we're just talking offline and there's a whole bunch of topics regarding the restart, um, a little bit of, of Nick's Twitter, uh, Alonzo Trier chat as well. So I think we're going to start off there a little bit. Uh, Alex and I are both, you know, big Alonzo Trier guys. Um, Chip a little less so, but I know that he appreciates at least, you know, some of the skills that that he brought to the table. Um, so, you know, I think a good place to start is this. There's clearly like, you know, for whatever reason, um, Nick's fans have a... a a love affair with certain players and then you know don't really appreciate others that could be for a bunch of various reasons skill set um personality whatever it is right uh but you know it seems like trier especially did seem to get a fair amount of hate uh so i wanted to kind of start there alex i'm gonna let you lead off here and chip and i will just kind of jump in if you you give us your thoughts and we'll just kind of uh get in where we fit in well, if I 
have to start off. I guess I got to throw out my recent <laughs> post about Alondra Trier being the sixth man out the window. We could just crumple that one up, put it in the trash can. <laughs> you know what? But uh, whoever he signs with, read it and <laughs> pontificate on my ideas. <laughs> All right. Um, this is what I have to say about Alondra Trier. I like him. I'm like, the, the most upsetting part about him being released by the Knicks is that he wasn't given a fair shake for a second year. And it's more of like what could have been, like what what could he actually be? We don't know. We didn't develop him. And that's really my biggest issue is like we have given time, like even with Frank, right? We've given so much leash with Frank. He's been around for three years. Now go be here for one more year, what it seems like, according to Leon Rose, based on how we talked about him on his presser. And I feel like for Trier, who was found like undrafted, showed that he had some sort of promise. He was able to score. We know he has deficiencies in defending, and he's not truly a, a playmaker. But I feel like you can actually work on those type of skill sets. Lou Williams, uh, Jamal Crawford, a lot of other players have come into the league not with those type of skill sets. And it's like, could we have at least seen what he could have done before just, like, burying the hatchet on this dude? Like, that's my biggest gripe with this. Like, I get the whole financial, like, aspect of it. Like, did you want $4.5 million guaranteed? Like on this guy who didn't really play much, and we don't really have much evidence, and it's Leon Rose. No, it, make, it makes total financial sense from a business standpoint. But my thing is like, this dude's a walking bucket, just like easily, and he just wasn't given a fair shot. And that's what we needed on this team this past season it was just someone to score. What do you got? What do you got to say about it, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, um, we we talked a little bit about this with with Danny on uh, Nick's state of mind, but. I mean, I'm I'm I am partial to guys who can um, score a little bit more. So you can call me biased. I mean, like I I think I'm pretty fair on Trier. I um, I do think he he's got some pretty good potential that could even be past a um, you know first guy off the bench, six man score, a la Lou Will type role. I do think he can be better than that. Um, but you know, we'll 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 see. I just I do think that. This is the issue. The Knicks have a lot of projects, right? And depending on where they were drafted, how much money is invested in them, um, you're you're you, as an organization. I think you're naturally going to be more inclined to try and develop Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Now, who we who we got in a trade, uh, as opposed to Alonzo Trier. Now. When it comes to Frank, it, it just, I, I think it depends on what you th- what what you as a fan, not saying you specifically, Alex, but like anybody, defines as oh, I'm willing to deal with that, and I I'll I'll allow him to work on this, um, because for me personally, I'd rather have the guy who can score, but we need to work on them defensively uh, a little bit more. I don't always see defensive inefficiencies as just a lack of uh, desire. I do think that it does take, um, you know, a fair amount of knowledge of like schemes and positional awareness to be able to defend well. Um, But I I think it's much harder to turn a good defender into a serviceable um, shooter than the opposite. I could be wrong on that. But that's that's kind of where I stand on it. Like I'd rather I'd rather have someone with Trier's talent uh, scoring the ball, and hope to God that whatever assistant coach you have or head coach 
um, can, you know, really drive home defensive, you know, um, schemes and knowledge to this guy to, to the point that he gets it and he's not, you know, a net negative on the floor. But that's just me. Uh, Chip, how do you feel? Yeah, if Trier competed harder defensively, uh, Knicks fans would have more respect for him and would have wanted him more. I mean, that's why Knicks fans love Frank, because he plays hard defensively. He can't make a fucking shot. He averages six points a game. But they love him because he can lock up Luka Doncic. He can lock up Trey Young. Trier can't lock up anybody. That's why. It's not because he takes bad shots every once in a while. It's because he can't guard any. It looks the way he plays defense. It looks like he's not even trying sometimes, and because there was reports this year that he wasn't very happy, and there was stuff last year. You mentioned it yesterday. There was stuff last year about him and Tim Hardaway Jr. and I guess stuff on social media too. I forgot about that, but yeah, it's attitude stuff, I think. And ultimately, I think it was a financial move more so than basketball. Uh, there was a four and a half million dollar qualifying offer. That's too much for a guy who barely played. So, and also you mentioned they're going to develop those other guys over him. And uh, like you said, I, I don't dislike Trier as much as other Knicks fans, but uh, I'm a Dotson guy, and uh, there's there's no way they're going to bring back Dotson and Trier right. next year. There's no way they're going to bring both those guys back and. I think Dotson is a better fit because they're so poor defensively. And it looks like Tibbs is the way they're going to go. They're going to go with a defensive coach. So it makes sense to bring Dotson back. And despite the fact that he got ripped on Twitter from some random asshole on some podcast today, I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. We saw it. That. We definitely yeah, saw it. Crazy. Yeah. I'd never even heard of that guy before today. He got, yeah. Dotson, uh, Dotson retweeted that. Yeah, actually, yeah. he did. I saw that. I think yeah. it's hard. A uh, hard Nick's wife. Yeah, that was, yeah. That hard was the one who did it. Yeah, hard Nick's wife. Uh, I saw yeah. that as well. And if we're going to talk about Damian Dotson, like I agree, Chip. Like you, I, I guess for Tibbs, like he wants like a three and D guy, right? And he's just going to fit that scheme more than Trier would. Although Tibbs when he was coaching the Bulls, played a lot of ISO, right? So, like, you think maybe Trier could have a role, but I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, Tibbs coached bad defenders before. He played Nate that's Robinson. That's true. I would, dude, I was just going to bring up Nate Robinson. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Theoretically, he could have played Trier, too. But I just feel like Dotson would have fit better. So, And also, I think Dotson has shown more than Trier, and there hasn't. And also, Dotson makes a shitload less money. That's also true. I think that's the. I think that's unlikely. Dotson will be back anyway. (laughs) Who knows? I think that's a big point that you bring up too. Like they weren't both going to come back, you know. And if you're going to pick one, you have to pick the one that I guess in a in a that is already served in a role player type role has uh, produced more. Um, Also unfairly, I think treated at times this year, Damian Dotson. Um, for sure, and but never complained. No, never that's complained. true. That's very true. The only thing I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna give Trier a pass for engaging fans on social media and throwing his teammates under the bus. Like that's immature. It's not cool. He is young, and we've seen plenty of players do it before. He's certainly not the first. It's not like he can't learn. Um, yeah, no, Russell. 
But absolutely. But the only thing I'm going to say is this, because I know Danny brought up yesterday too, like if we're going to say like Tim Hardaway is like the leader that, you know, Trier shouldn't be questioning, I think Tim Hardaway has some of the worst body language on a court that I've seen in the NBA, especially when things are not going his way. So I, again, I'm not condoning what Trier did. It's not okay. But Timmy ain't exactly uh, Willis Reed. You know when we're it comes about, when it comes to leadership. What I would say is like we're gonna talk about net negative on the court. <laughs> yeah, Hardaway's pretty bad. Hardaway was like he'd put up thirty, but he let the other guy put up forty. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Um, and pretty bad defense. I know that we also wanted to talk a little bit about uh, NBA restart uh, things that are coming up as we get closer. Uh, the Nets have a really interesting situation. As of right now, DeAndre Jordan has tested positive for COVID-19. He will not uh, be playing when the NBA restarts. Spencer Dinwiddie also has a confirmed positive test. He has not decided yet. Um, The Nets are, as we stand right now, in the playoffs. And they're going to have to make a number of roster decisions. Wilson Chandler is also uh, not coming back as well. Um, They're going to have to make a number of roster decisions. Um in order to just just feel the team it's going to be really interesting to see who they put out there uh i guess one question i kind of want to put out is you know is there any organiz- organizational logic do you feel do you guys feel that with the way that things are playing out now and some players are not coming back do you feel like at any point in time during conversations between Sean Marks, uh, Joe Sy, Jacques Vaughn, whoever is in the front office, do you think that there's going to be conversations of, hey, um, we have a, a potential draft pick that we can, uh, you know, that we can somehow increase if, if we're not winning these games with our best with some of our players out the likelihood that we are going to do well and perform well in a first round playoff matchup may not be great. Um, do you guys think that they're going to see maybe some of the writing on the wall and not outwardly lose games, but kind of in the back of their mind say, well, maybe we're not going to push things as hard as we would if we had DeAndre Wilson, Spencer, all Spencer not decided yet, but could potentially be out as well. What do you guys think about that? And Karis LeVert is very injury-prone, and we don't want him to get hurt in meaningless games. I, I, that, that's he, a huge point. Yeah. And he's either a key rotation player going forward or the guy who's going to get them Bradley Beal. So you can't get Bradley Beal without him. He's the key guy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to like tank the Orlando thing, but right. I think we, me and you already talked about this, that if I was the Nets, I'm not sure I'd want to even go down there and get smoked in the first round. Uh, and there's also a scenario if Dinwiddie doesn't go, they don't even make the playoffs. Right. I'm not even sure how much a, a Levert-led team, how many games that wins. So, But if Dinwiddie goes, I mean, they'll be in the playoffs and they'll lose in the first round. So, But yeah, I, as far as like replacing DeAndre and just being down there, no Irving, no Durant. For the Nets, I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I think it's 
I think it's meaningless games. And I think it's, as far as Joe Harris, who's a free agent, I wouldn't really want to be down there. We saw what Davis Bertans did. He's sitting out because he wants to protect himself for free agency. I wouldn't want to get hurt. There's no way Joe Harris can help himself. Yet. People already know what he is. He's a, one of the best shooters in the league. He's improved dramatically. He can put the ball on the floor now, get to the basket. He can defend better. There's a lot of guys who, if I were them, I wouldn't want to be on the court. Maybe the only guy who I would want to go is Jared Allen, because now I'm I'm uh, auditioning for the team that I'm going to be getting traded to inevitably in the offseason. <laughs> we all know he's being traded. But, yeah, I, I just feel like they're meaningless games either way. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie, it looks like he's putting off the inevitable. And it looks like we may just – be talking about this for nothing because I wouldn't be surprised if they don't play anyway. Looks right. like they may cancel the season. Who knows? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think I don't know if it would necessarily be like them tanking. Maybe they could look at this as an opportunity to say, you know what, um, our guys are not going to go down there. Maybe we keep our big guys home um, and maybe do some sort of development. You know, get the guys who we may want to salvage from this roster and get them some sort of playoff experience because, you know, next year, uh, if we have a season next year, then, you know, you want to have those guys on the bench at least ready for some sort of competition because if you lose someone like Levert in a trade or if you lose J.A., like guys who've already been through the playoffs and had that experience, you're going to need someone else to come up and have that type of, like, understanding of the pressure, the difference in the, the physicality of the game. So, they may be looking at it from both sides, saying, "You know what? We're gonna we're gonna put this in the spin of like uh, development quotation marks, and then say, you know, what? we don't really care what happens. We probably will get a better draft pick. We'll use whatever that draft pick is, see what we need, maybe ship it off within a deal to get Bradley Beal. Who knows? Um, uh, that's probably what the Nets are thinking right now. They're probably going to try to weigh this with both sides and play like the even kill lines, being like, look, we have guys that are sick. We have guys who are going to sit out and go protest." And we support that, and this is the business move that we're going to make. Yeah, I think that makes sense, too. Um, in terms of the restart, is there anything else that you guys want to touch on before we kind of head into uh, our list here? Glad Luke Mbamute is back. Saw that the Rockets picked him up. I, I did see a Glad tweet. Glad he's coming back. I saw a pretty good tweet, and I was like, you know what? That is kind of crazy. Defensive lineups with uh, Mbamute, Covington, and Tucker at the five. I mean, damn, dude. You're going to have to really bring it offensively to score on those guys. I mean, the Rockets the Rockets could be really poised uh, to do something when the, when the NBA restarts. Yeah, and I saw Dame said uh, Blazers could be playing really big because now, I guess, Nurkic is healthy. And they Zach Collins, too. No Ariza. Yeah, and Collins, they could be going with Mello at the three. I know Mello's going to be very happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> so that could be interesting, yeah. I think that just changes. We're talking about different dynamics, especially with like the, the Trailblazers, right? It's going to be interesting because there were a team that said they didn't want to go right initially, but now seeing how much things could change and sway. So I think for them, if they're really all on board to do this, they could create some noise, especially if they got everyone fully healthy yeah dame said he was like i think dame said if i'm not going like if there's no chance i'm going to the playoffs no way i'm going forget it yeah said, right which who can blame him for that so 
I actually like that he's on the uh, the cover of NBA 2K. I haven't played that game that. in like two, three years, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't like it, Chip? It sucks. No, it sucks. It's terrible this year. I haven't played it, it probably <laughs> since 18. Um, but yeah, I like that he's on the cover. I think he deserves that. I think he's easily one of the most exciting players in the game. I, I really, really hope he wins a championship one day, but who knows? See that they, I guess uh, NBA Twitter was getting uh, all upset that Zion is uh, on the alternative cover. Jesus, who <laughs> Come cares, on, man? Cares. Relax. Yeah, <laughs> they put the big, biggest stars on the cover of video games. Yeah, not about people are like, oh, they should put John Morant on there. He plays in Memphis, and he and he's, you know, I know Zion plays in New Orleans, but he played Duke. He was on TV every single day. He was in college. He's one of the biggest stars. He's been famous since he was in high school. Exactly. He's the most hyped prospect since LeBron. Like, come on. Yeah. No, let's be real. Like, the 22 format is like giving Zion the chance to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We want to see Zion in the playoffs, right? We want to see what he can do. Like, and this is no shade to Ja because Ja's a phenomenal talent. He's really good. But the, the, the fact is that we've seen Zion for years now. Like, Ja just came on the scene last year, and it's like, what can Zion do? And, you know, it's like, oh, my God, he can't do this in college when he was in high school. And then he gets to college, he's just pulling people around. Now he's pulling people around in, like, the NBA. It's like, this is what I want. This is what I want to see. How far can he go? So Right. That trailer was so stupid, though, when they just showed him, like, <laughs> dribbling and crossing over, and it just showed, like, sweat falling off his head. It was so fucking dumb. The graphics are insane. But the gameplay is still going to be trash. Yeah, no, it's going to be, and that my career is going to be just so dumb and dramatic, just be boring. <laughs> I used to be really into uh, FIFA, and then I kind of fell off with it. But that was always the criticism FIFA with FIFA, really like the good. my career kind of it got. I think it got better, the manager piece of it. But when I was still playing, it was kind of like a little whack. Um, but I know the gameplay in terms of like, like it used to be that you could volley like off balance from like 40 yards out and and hit a goal but then they made it a little bit more realistic like what angle you hit the ball at what player what skill level um but i always i always loved that game but then i I just kind of fell out of it i hope they bring ncaa football back that was the greatest game of all time oh my god yeah that was sick yeah Everyone's been ruining yeah. games, sports games anyway madden went down the tubes i remember when they was like you gotta throw it and then you gotta catch i was like Please stop. I don't want to catch. I want to throw it. I want the computer to catch it for me. All right. Yeah. I don't need to do all this. Yeah. All this. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the last time Madden was good. It's been bad for so long. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably a good place for us to uh, transition to our list here. So as I was saying before, um, one of the things we wanted to kind of look at, everyone loves a, a reclamation project, right? So Uh, We looked at the draft classes of 2015, 2016, 2017, some players that at least have some years in the league, and we wanted to say, okay, who's the top five players that, you know, we still think can catch on either with their current team or with another team based on their skill level, um, and kind of just talk about maybe some of the reasons that they haven't performed thus far. Um, So I think what we'll do is we'll just kind of go one by one here, and I'm sure there'll be some overlap on our list. Um, you know, so, so we won't have to talk maybe so much individually about each player, but, um, 
as trying to be a good host here, I'm going to let Alex start us off at number five. And um, then I'll, I'll, I'll take over after that and ship. And then we'll just, we'll just keep going from there. So, Alex, who is your number five player? I, I think we'll call it a reclamation project list of who you still think can turn it around. Uh, are we going to go from like least to greatest? Is that what we're doing? I think I, I'd like to do that. I'd, I'd like to go from your, the, you know, the player who maybe doesn't have the best chance to the one who you're, who you're, you're really, really high on. Okay, so I'm going to start off with uh, Denzel Valentine. I think his situation in Chicago, him being injury-prone, he came into the league injury-prone. I think it was his knees, if I remember correctly, and then he had reconstructive ankle surgery this this year. Um, he came out of Michigan State like as like a solid player. He can do like a little bit of everything based on like the matchup and the situation. Uh, could essentially just be a good 3-and-D player, good shooter. Um, I feel like his time in Chicago has just been, you know, lackluster because of form fit, and I don't think Jim Boylan has necessarily done him any favors as well, or the team, essentially. Also, like I said, injury this year, he was coming back slow, but I, he, he hasn't really gotten, like, the chance and, like, the minutes necessary to really be successful. Um, yeah. I would like to see him, like, probably go off to, like, I don't know. I don't know what team, like... Like I'm thinking about like trace like trade scenarios, maybe like maybe like Phoenix, because like you know I know they got Devin Booker starting, but like someone off the bench who can actually like help space, like create space for other players. Yeah, I feel like he could be solid there. Um, I I remember when he got drafted, there were so many. Uh, I, I don't Chip, I don't know if you remember this, but there were some Draymond Green comparisons in there for for Denzel. Um, were there really? Yeah, um, I think some he people was Michigan were, State, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe that was why, but um, I I liked him coming out of college too. I I was actually thinking that he might be have a decent career, but the Bulls are so similar to the Knicks in the sense that we turn over front offices and coaches every year, so it, it, it's very difficult for players to get a a, a holding down because there's going to be a coach that comes in and well, I didn't draft this guy and I don't have faith in him, so. Um, that's why it's going to be really tough for, for Valentine, but I, I like his skill set. Uh, and like you said, he's had a ton of injuries. It's going to be difficult for him to kind of showcase what he can do. Chip, do you, uh, any, anything on Valentine or, or you want to go ahead and do your number five? I actually consider Valentine. I, uh, I did too. I like him. I do. But his, his situation, I think it's weird too, but he's had, Pretty horrible coaching, I think. Yeah. As good a college coach, I think, as Hoiberg uh, is, he did a pretty terrible job in the NBA. And then Boylan might be the worst coach in the league. But uh, Valentine is always like a a guy who's brought up, I feel like, before every season on like those might break out lists. He's like one of those guys, like the honorable mention guy on those lists. Like he's always down low on those. But, uh, yeah, he. I remember when he got, like, the 3 and D mention and the, when he was coming out and scattering reports and all that. But he was a good college player. I don't know. He, You never hear about him anymore. He never plays. Right. He, all of a sudden, he was just out of the rotation. And it's weird that he's not in the rotation on a bad team. I guess he just fell out of favor at some point with the organization. It doesn't really make any sense because he's on a lousy team. But I don't know. They... They signed a bunch of veterans that are ahead of him 
in the rotation. Otto Porter's ahead of him. Uh, it, it feels like he should be an Otto Porter type of player. Like that's kind of what they would want him to be. And then they traded for him when he was supposed to be developing into Otto Porter. <laughs> it was really weird. And then they signed Thaddeus Young to move ahead of him. And then they kept bringing in other wing players. It was it's very. I mean, the the Bulls just do as bad, like you mentioned, they do as bad a job as the Knicks do. So they just kept filling up spots, and it's a bad spot for him. And uh, he'll do well in another place, I think. We'll see. Is his contract up, Alex, at the end of the year? I think he is a restricted, right? I think he is a restricted free agent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a, yeah. He's going to be an RFA because this, yeah. this was his third year, so he's got the fourth. Okay. Yeah, I guess just to finish off on Denzel Valentine, like, it's weird to see him go from, like, 27 minutes last year. And, like, granted, he's coming back from injury. Like, he was only getting 13 minutes a game. And working your way back from injury, sure, like, you come back slow. But once he's cleared, like, I would expect it to be, like, all right, let's pull out, like, as you said, like, uh, Thaddeus Young, let's pull out Porter, let's get this guy in. And, like, it might just be hard because you have Zach Levine, who's so – on ball heavy and then you brought right. in another you brought in a guard who's also on ball heavy and like Kobe White and it's just like the ball is mostly in their hands and they both are scorers they're both score first players for the most part so I don't know what like I don't know what that whole like thought process is for the Bulls like you you want a 3 and D guy and then you can't even get the 3 and D guy the ball when he's open for the 3 and it's like but we see it like all around the Bulls like Larry Markin had a bad year and I think it was just, like, Zach Levine himself just trying to show, like, hey, like, I'm relevant. Like, give me some space. Stop time trying to control me. But who knows? And you would think they'd play shooters because he, they need to open up the lanes for guys who's a <laughs> slasher like Levine. But, yeah. hey, you – like, I can't imagine – well, what am I saying? I can't imagine watching the Bulls. We, we watched the X. <laughs> what am I talking about? This is true. We, we watched the same fucking team all the time. Because they love the game, Chip. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Chip, what about your number five? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I think I said I was going to uh, yeah. take over after that. Um, so, all right, my number five, uh, I went with DJ Wilson from the Milwaukee Bucks. So, oh, uh, Jesus Christ. former first-round pick, 14th <laughs> overall from Michigan. Um, 6'10", 230 pounds. A year ago, in 48 games, he shot 41% from the field. Not great. 36% from three. Uh, the thing with him is free throw shooting has always been pretty rough. This year, he played in 31 games, did not do much at all. But here's the thing. He's on a great team. Not a good team. He's on a great team. And unless your name is Dante DiVincenzo, the Milwaukee Bucks are not really trying to develop much at all. Um, last year, he was having a good season, and then... They signed Miritich, um, who averaged about 18 minutes a game. Well, he, no, DJ Wilson was averaging about 18 minutes a game at that point. This season, he had Ilyasova, Marvin Williams that played over him. Um, Ilyasova has a 7 mil, I believe it's a team option. And uh, Marvin Williams is going to be a free agent. Uh, that's a kid that I'm not going to give up on completely. I know his numbers are really, really rough. But he has the height and length 
uh, and at least a decent enough shooting stroke that I saw from the 2018-2019 season that whether it's on the Bucks because they may be losing some depth at the forward position or on another team, I mean, I guess you can throw every reclamation project to the Sacramento Kings and, and hope that they figure it out because they're always in, in a rebuild type mode. But um, that's a kid that I, I, depending on the situation, would be willing to take a flyer on. I think he's someone that um, has a skill set that is, is very valuable in today's NBA. Whether he reaches it or not, who knows. But um, a guy like DJ Wilson is, is someone that I'm looking at for this list. I would not have expected DJ Wilson to come up. I, are you like uh, you're not a Michigan guy? No, I'm not a Michigan so, guy. I'm not a Michigan guy. This is a deep cut. <laughs> I I got nothing on DJ Wilson because I didn't even think about DJ Wilson. Alex, did you? Know? No, you <laughs> I was looking this dude up. I was like, who? We went off the beat. We, we, <laughs> you were him up. we uh, went off. We went off the beaten path here, man. Oh man! Yeah, seriously, way off it. And now, now it's coming to me. Like he's had some like dunk highlights and like here, there for like the bucks like that I've seen. But it's just like I had to look up who this kid was for a second. <laughs> um, I remember him from Michigan, but he actually—it's funny much. because it's funny because he only—I think he only averaged like eleven points a game with Michigan, um, but got drafted fairly high. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen. It, I think when you go to a contending team like Milwaukee and you don't service a role right away and the majority of your cap uh, and playing time is going to be given to players like Giannis, Bledsoe, um, now Brogdon, you know, there's not going to be a lot of opportunities and areas for some of these guys who are super young coming to the league, not polished at all, really. Um, and DJ Wilson is a guy that was just like that. Like he didn't do himself any favors. Um, there's been areas where he really, really has struggled like a lot, but I do think that, you know, given that right situation, like we're going to say for a lot of these guys, I think he could be a decent, decent rotational player. Do you have like a, a spot in mind for him right now? Like where he can go? Uh, um, uh, you know what? I actually think a team like the uh, Washington Wizards, uh, when they lost Kelly Oubre, uh, a team like that, you know, when John Wall comes back, don't get me wrong, they have one of the best sh- shooters in the world in Bradley Beal, but especially if Davis Perton doesn't come back, um, they're going to need shooting around John Wall. Um, they're kind of in that reconstruction phase for their franchise, so... Um, you know, off the top of my head, that's maybe an area that I would look at. Uh, but you know, he's got a lot to prove, but I just, I, I, I like what I've seen when I've seen from him. Uh, he actually tore the Knicks up this year. Uh, I think he had a double, double when he played it. Not that that means absolute shit, but, um, yeah. Oh, was I, it Nick I, Killer? Yeah. I went with, uh, DJ Wilson. Here. <laughs> it's not hard to tear up the Knicks. No. You know, this past season, it's very easy. <clears throat> very easy to kill the Knicks. Wow. I, yeah, I got nothing on DJ Wilson other than he went to Michigan. <laughs> I really didn't think about him at all. That is more than he me. went to Michigan. He's <laughs> tall and skinny and he 
tall and skinny. He's he's always celebrating on the bench when Giannis does something. I yeah, wasn't he wasn't he drafted like before the Bucks began the Bucks though? I think you're right. So we I did have right a shot that. to become part of yeah, everything. That's true. That's true. Yeah, because yeah, it was the six. I think he was drafted 2016. Um, and then yeah, so the 16-17 season. I don't think the Bucks okay. were were there so yet. So that would have been Jay Kidd. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. Okay. I think so. Who's okay. uh Who's yeah. your number five? Uh, Scal Labissiere. Mm. Speaking of very skinny, Scal. Love Scal. I feel like Scal Big is Scal, Scal is always the list you talked about earlier in this pod. The most likely breakout. Scal is always on that list. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Alex was talking about with uh, Denzel Valentine about a tough situation. I think Scal walked right into that in Sacramento. He walked into the Dave Yeager Kings with Boogie Cousins. Uh, he was drafted in tw- uh, 2016. He was a huge recruit at Kentucky, and he totally underwhelmed there. I think he was the number one recruit, actually. I know he was five-star. And he didn't put up big numbers, and he was supposed to be, like, top five pick. And he slipped all the way to 28th pick, and... Now he's on the Hawks. He's been traded twice already. Uh, but he looked really good in a small sample size with Portland this year. Uh, he played well with Dame and CJ. His numbers were really good there. Uh, he's shown a lot of potential in the mid-range. Uh, his free throw percentage is really good. Uh, he actually, when he was with Portland this year, he made 36 of 67% of his mid-range attempts in 533 minutes, 46% frequency, 96 percentile of uh, bigs, uh, according to cleaning the glass, sorry, and uh, 54% accuracy. Really good numbers and huge improvement. And uh, I think he depends on the mid-range too much, actually. He should be shooting more at the rim, and I think he shies away from contact, which is why I have him lower on this list. I'm not too confident in him. Uh, but he sets like really, I know this is uh, cliche of a numbers nerd like me to say this, but he does set really good screens. That's why he was so good in Portland's offense. Dude, I love screen assists. Screen assists are great. Yeah, because they're constantly setting screens for Damon CJ, and it's kind of a bummer that he's not there anymore. But I think he'll be great in Atlanta. He hasn't played for them yet because he was hurt. But I think when he does play, he'll be great with Trey Young. And uh, he can he can roll to the rim and he can pop out. Like I said, he needs to roll to the rim more. But uh, his defense obviously needs work. He needs to put on weight. He's a little older. He's 24. But I still feel like... God, there's so much potential there. Every once in a while, he puts up a huge rebounding game, huge scoring game. Not a huge scoring game, but you know what I mean. And, yeah, I, uh, he's he's also, it's partially uh, a uh, sentimental pick for me. I've just been high on him since he was drafted. I remember uh, being high on him, wanting the Knicks to take him. So, uh, yeah, I just think there's a lot of offensive potential there. And even as a passer, too. So, yeah, I just think he's a very talented guy, and I think he's going to be very good in Atlanta. I think uh, with the coach, he can develop too. And Jeff mentioned in Milwaukee, not a lot of time to develop D.J. Wilson. When he was in Portland recently, that's 
not really what they're focusing on is developing Scout Bissier. I think at a place like Atlanta, he'll have more focus, and I think it could benefit him. So we'll see. I'm not. There's a reason I have him at five. I'm not totally sold at him as I've watched him play the way he's played since he came into the league. But uh, I think Atlanta has a pretty solid culture there. Lloyd Pierce seems like a great coach, and uh, I'm. I'm. I want to believe he can succeed. So yeah, I like Scout. I think I agree with you, Chip. Like in Atlanta, I think he'll be better in Atlanta. I think he'll be a solid role player. I think fitting him next to Collins to play that center role, you yeah. know, that'll definitely help. It'll get take Collins out. You'll have Lubisier who's able to hit the mid range, even though, like as you said, you don't want him to hit the mid range and you want to play him more close to the basket. Him doing all those things will help open it up for Collins. And then if he's good in the pick and roll, what does Trey Young like? Yeah, exactly. Pick I and roll, baby. Great with Trey. <laughs> yeah. Right with him. I think you covered everything about Luis here. I like his jumper. <laughs> it's a solid jumper for a big man. Um, yeah. But he just needs to bulk up, you know. Uh, it's kind of like if he can get to the size of like Willie Colley Stein, I think he'll be fine. You know what I mean? But that's based on his frame. I don't think that's likely. Yeah. But I think he's got to work on other things to like be able to like keep a sturdy base, be able to take the contact and not play too far out, you know? Yeah. He's just not that athlete that Willie Colley Stein is, but I'm not sure he ever will be, but yeah, he has improvements to make for sure to be able to have the conditioning to stay on the court. But I think he'll fit well in Atlanta, just like he did in Portland. So we'll see. Portland had playoff implications. They had to worry about and Atlanta doesn't. So he might get more run on Atlanta. It'll be interesting. Oh, you know what could be? You know, could be, don't they have Clint Capella though? I just they remember. do. They do. So I don't know. I hope he doesn't get traded from Atlanta too. That would suck. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not it, like he can shoot the jump. Capella hangs in the the paint all game long. He can pop out and shoot. So it, I don't know. It's he can't play with Capella almost likely, but. It'll be interesting. It, they, interesting. I mean, if anything, Atlanta is definitely uh, accumulating a lot of like versatile forwards. Like when you think of like DeAndre Hunter, Scal, Cam Reddish, like I mean, you you could be feasting on a lot, like offensively at least, right? Like you could be feasting on a lot of like five out uh, type ball um, with them there. So I mean, it could be interesting for him for sure. Um, Alex, who do you have at number four for your list? Four. Number four, I got Thonmaker. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like Thonmaker. I am. I think he got. He got. There was such high expectation when he came into the league, like just because of his height, his ability to hit, hit the jumper potential of just stretching out the floor. We know that it was like he was very raw coming into the league. But I thought he was actually making improvements while he was in Milwaukee. You were able to see some of that like dexterity that he had, especially playing next to Giannis. Giannis was able to take a lot of um was it uh, a lot of like defensive responsibilities for the for opposing teams away from him. So it was able to open him up, put him in a comfortable situation for him to play. Actually that was probably the best situation he was in. Now going to Detroit, you know Especially when he was there with Drummond. Drummond is a true center, plays in the paint, plays out the post, plays out the block, block, does a lot of rebounds. And then when you take Draymond, uh, Drummond out and you put Thon Maker in, 
he's got to do all those things and his frame doesn't really permit all of that. And I think, I don't think it's going to necessarily work out in Detroit that well, unless they get like another guy who can, you know, unless you get like another Giannis or someone that can actually like take away like defenders from thought to actually like flourish. Like his height is obviously there, but he's not necessarily strong enough to bully everyone. He can use the length and the dexterity to finish above people, but he's still even a work in progress on that. He showed some improvements in Detroit, but it's not enough to say, Hey, we have something here. Like we're going to keep you long term and really work with you. But I, this is like a guy that I would really like to see like flourish just because of like all the high expectations that he came, that he had coming into the league. Yeah, I actually, it's interesting. I, I had, um, Thon, Thon maker a little higher actually on the, on this list for me. And, um, apparently I, I was reading up a bunch of articles on him to research for this pod and uh, there was a Nicholas Henkel. I know he's a, a big Pistons-powered writer. And uh, the, the drum and trade was huge for him, right? So I think he was averaging 13 and 6. Um, and I think, let me see what it was. He was actually shooting 40, 47% from deep after uh, Drummond was, was traded away. Um, Pistons fans, from what I've read, very divisive on him. So the thing is, it's like he's still getting bullied around – for you know he's got great size but you know he he struggles to catch balls in the post hold his position um the thing is Detroit barely played him like they played him like 13 minutes a game uh, he's 23 years old 7 foot um i would really really like to see him flourish as well just like alex said and and i do think that it's tough like like Detroit is also a really really tough place to develop players like for whatever reason they're there are sometimes in a lot of turnover too. Now they gave Dwayne Casey a five-year deal, um, I think two years ago, um, and now they do have some young players in there, and they seem like they're adhering to more of a rebuilding mode. They have Sekou Dambia, uh, Luke Kennard, um, you know, Christian Wood is is not that old, and and we've seen how he's developed this year, especially once Drummond left. So Thon Maker like. I, I, I mean, I had him up here. I had him at the – what did I have him at, three? I think I had him at three here because I uh, I I want to see the guy do well, and I think just with his size and length, he could, but it's just going to be difficult in his, his current spot. Chip, what do you think? Again, I didn't think about Thon Maker. <laughs> <laughs> Not That's, really. That was I, deep, another deep cut. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't really think about him. I Yeah, I – you know, you watch, you watch them when the Knicks play some of these guys, and then you watch some of their games on League Pass. And uh, I guess Thumbmaker does some memorable stuff, but I I do remember him when he came into the league, and there was a lot of hype because there was YouTube videos about like he was this amazing prospect and all that stuff. He was mysterious, but yeah, he I guess he underwhelmed in Milwaukee, but I don't know. He it, it seems like if He's flourishing, I guess, without Drummond, like you guys are saying, that Detroit might bring him back. I don't know. He's always, whenever I've seen him, he's never looked like a a strong defender. That's, like, been his weakness, I guess, right? It's true. Yeah. No, it is. And and when you're playing the center and you get bullied around in the paint, like, it doesn't work. You know, he can't, well, he can't change any other position. He's a seven-footer. Like, yeah. 
and there's no like who are there any other seven footers like Christian Woods probably like the closest guy in height to him but that's your power forward and if you think and the, since you brought up uh, Wood Jeff like two thin dudes who are like not really good in the paint like it's tough I don't that's why I think the Detroit situation is going to be tough for Thon like when he was with Milwaukee like that's when Giannis was starting to ascend and it was just like oh my god people were starting to get hyped because all the attention is going to Giannis, rightfully so. So then it's leaving Thon open. So, but I don't know. I just hope nothing but the best. I'd like to see him actually succeed. Like I said, it's hard to get run as the big as a seven footer if you can't defend the rim or shoot the three. True. In the NBA. Very yeah. true. So you typically have to be good at one of those things, and I guess he's not really very good at either one of them. So. Is he a rim runner? I, I, I know he can't shoot well, the three. I know he no, no, no. He, well, he, he, I mean, listen, the, the numbers of three aren't great, but he was shooting actually decent once uh, Drummond got traded. I think it's one of those things like, you know, it, he's he's got to have more reps at it. I don't think, um, I, I don't see him as um, like a Capella who, who really, really can't shoot. Um, like well, that's the thing. It's a small sample size, right? Yeah. It's like the Christian Wood thing. Knicks fans are freaking out over Christian Wood's three-point numbers. It's one. It's half a season. Like, I mean, I really want to be True. careful about the small sample size no, there. Like, I, I don't want to give him a long-term contract. I hear that. I for me, if like like most of these guys are are not necessarily fringe guys, but around there. But if I see like somebody who has a decent form. Um, and you know, you can give them more minutes here and there. Like I, you know, I'll take somewhat of a chance on it, but if, it, if like the, the form and the percentages are just like completely off, then it's kind of like really difficult to sit there and say, okay, I could forecast this guy kind of coming back. Um, I think, uh, I think that that brings it up to me for number four here. So we actually talked about this guy really briefly already. Uh, but I, I, I like him. It's just that the Blazers have like a gluttony of, of forwards and bigs, but I got Zach Collins here, um, at number four, just 22 years old, 6'11", um, had shoulder surgery this year. He just played in three games. Um, you know, the averages, the numbers are not going to blow you away. He averaged six points a game last year, 47% from the field. He's got a fight with, um... Nurkic, Hassan, Whiteside, and you know what? They've also played uh, Ariza and Melo at the four as well um, during this year. So, you know, Zach Collins has got somewhat of an uphill battle, but they did say uh, it was something that we talked about. It was either on the pot or offline that both Nurkic and Collins are healthy and full to go once the NBA restarts. So, um, it's likely that he will get minutes in these last eight games before uh, the NBA gets ready for the playoffs. But I, I like his game, man. Um, I've liked him as a defender. I like the way he uh, moves on the court. From year one to two, he improved in almost every statistical category, points, assists, rebounds, blocks, and threes attempted. Um, I would not call him a good three-point shooter, but he can shoot it. Uh, and he, he actually put up decent uh attempts i think he's got some of his attempts are in the hundreds um i like zach collins i like you know he plays with a little swagger he plays with a little fire so he's he's a guy that you know i I don't think people are out on necessarily but i 
if I had to put money on someone turning things around and being maybe a, a more focal point of their team, uh, Collins is a guy that I would I would bet on, even if he gets traded to another team, because I think he's I think he's pretty I think he's pretty decent. Yeah, I had Collins on mine too, yeah, a little higher up. I had him at three, but he's another. Again, we talk about these breakout candidates that the Ringer and Bleacher Report always do. He's always on there. I think Kevin O'Connor is the guy from the Ringer who really likes Zach Collins. Yeah, but I remember yep. him at Gonzaga. He was great in college, and they were talking about him in the NCAA tournament, how good he was going to be in the pros. He came out of nowhere in the tournament. He was one of those guys who like really improved his stock in the tournament. And, uh, yeah, he was just another – just knocked by injuries. I was looking uh, at his metrics, too, and his metrics are really weird. Like his on-off numbers, because obviously because the Blazers were so good last year, it was tough for him to keep up as a, as a young guy. But And then you add in – he only played, I think, a few games this year before he got hurt, right? Yep. So, I think just three games. Yeah, three games, yeah. And, uh, yeah, but with him coming back, and it's kind of a weird dynamic, I guess, how much does he play with Nurkic, but then we were talking before, I guess they're going to start Mello, Collins, and Nurkic, it looks like. So if they're going to play all three of those guys and go uh, super big, it's going to be, they're going to be a tough out, I think, all, all three of those guys at once. And, yeah, I like Collins going forward, and if they're going to put him in the starting lineup, making a run at the playoffs obviously they have a lot of confidence in him and he also i think it matters a lot that he has a good coach and a good organization and probably one of if not the best leaders in basketball with dame lord oh yeah so that definitely matters collins to me is like um mason plumley not in the sense that he plays like mason plumley but it based on the right situation he will get a lot of playing time a lot of use and will be successful in the right system. That's how I look at like. Do you guys get what I'm kind of saying with that? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like like Mason Plumlee, like he he's on the Nuggets right now, being used properly, and he's flourishing because he just needed that he needed that system and he needed that role. Collins is like that same thing. It's Jeff already said. It's like Collins just needs that situation like carved out for him where there's not a lot of guys like they have to fight over, and he will flourish. Like you see the talent, the talent's there. Like he can shoot. He can. He has. Will he'll, he'll take the contact in the paint. He's not afraid. He's and he's he's willing to do everything. He's not going to give up. Like he'll continuously play defense. He's not going to like lose focus. He consistently wants to get better. You see that. Like within the three, he's been in the league for three years, and you see that every single time he's slowly but surely getting better. He just needs the right system, and I think it could be with Portland, right? But it might have to be somewhere else, especially like maybe because I don't think Mel is going to be there for that long. And he could probably just swat him right next to Nurkic, and then you got your you got your guy right there, right? So it all depends what happens. Like if Mel comes back for another year with Portland, because I'm sure like if he's got to spend another year behind Mel, he's going to be like, look, I I need more time to this. I, I want to play too. Like, and he he has the skill set to be good in this league, to be a good role player. So I like I like Collins too. I like that pick. I actually wasn't thinking about him, but I like it. Chip, who do you have it for? Sorry, I had the mic off there. <laughs> uh, for four, I have a guy that I really wanted the Knicks to take. I actually have, uh, of course, a, a guy from the Magic, Wessa Wundu. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I know he's not a very high pick, not like all the other guys we've 
talked about. He was second rounder in 2017, pick number 33. Uh, he's uh, 25 years old, a little older, turns uh, 26 in December, but uh, I'm a big fan of his. I've watched a lot of him. Uh, I don't think the Magic have used him right. I wrote about it earlier for Hoops Habit. I don't think the Magic have used him right at all. Uh, they don't play to his strengths. He's excels really in the fast break and transition. He, and the Magic don't run a lot, and that's kind of suits their roster. They don't really have a roster that's suited to running. Uh, their best player is Nikola Vucevic, and he can't run. So they need to play in the half court to be successful. And he's at his best in the fast break, and he shows a lot of potential uh, as a uh, maybe not a primary ball handler, but a secondary ball handler, kind of a point forward type. He was a great passer in college. He just doesn't really handle the ball very much. Uh, and now with Marco Fultz and DJ Augustine on the team this year, there wasn't really many opportunities for him to do that. Uh, I think he shows good instincts as a passer, and he struggles with turnovers, but I think that's more because he doesn't have the ball in his hands much. I think he, if he did have the ball in his hands more, I think he'd... Uh, be a lot better at that because he had the ball in his hands a lot in college and he made some smarter plays. He has an extremely low usage and he struggled with his shot this year, but in uh, his three-point shot percentage went down. But uh, in January, he shot 47% on threes on a pretty high clip. Uh, and I, so I was impressed by that. His catch-and-shoot three-point numbers are uh, pretty bad, but I think there's potential for uh, improvement, you know, and we always talk about why that is. I think his free throw percentage shows that. His three-point percentage in a college, I'm not even sure he made a three-pointer in his freshman season. I'm pretty sure. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. He didn't even, like, attempt one. Yeah. He was so terrible. As So a big part of why I want him in the Knicks is his work ethic. He's clearly worked his ass off, and he's become so much better, and he, look, if I was the Orlando Magic, I'd want to keep him, but I'm not sure he fits well with their roster because, like I said, I, I think he's a more of a fast-break player, and I think that I've always thought that the Knicks should run more, especially with a young team. Like, Kevin Knox plays at his best right now in the fast-break because he's not he's terrible in the half-court. So R.J. Barrett should be getting out more and running. He's a teenager. I think he'd be – I think Wes Winder would be great with those guys in the fast-break. Uh, I want so yeah. I wanted to bring up West because I want him on the Knicks. That's part of it. But I think he's definitely a work in progress still. As weird as that sounds to say about a guy who's 25 years old, almost 26. But yeah, I think he's and also his greatest asset probably the fact that he can guard multiple positions. He, if he were on the Knicks this year, he probably would have been their best defender outside of Frank, of course. Yeah, I uh, I feel like he's. He's always one of those guys that you hear about um, getting signed to a roster. I, I'll be honest. I don't know a whole bunch about him, but I know that whenever I've read or heard of articles written about him, um, it's it's usually about that he's got some, some really good plus characteristics that you could kind of fit with an offense that, that already has maybe guys that can do the heavy lifting and you just plug him in uh, to really like solve some of the deficiencies deficiencies there um so yeah man i i yeah i can understand that pick for sure 
for Wes Wonder, right? What yeah. is Jonathan Isaac in front of him? Is that why he's not getting any burn like right now, or like is it just like? Well, he's more of a he's more of a three, and I guess they're playing Isaac at the three. So yeah, Isaac and Gordon. Yeah, he he's but Isaac was hurt this year. He was playing the three. He he goes in and out of the starting lineup. Clifford's weird with the rotations, the way he does things. He sometimes he's trusting Wundu, uh, and sometimes he's not. I don't know too much about West. That's what I'm asking. Like, yeah, yeah. He was like, in and out of the rotation this year. That's what I'll tell you. And the last two years, really, since Clifford took over, he's been in and out of the rotation. Okay. Gotcha. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, I think we're on number three, right? And I think Alex, you're up. Number three, I got. So this is this one's tough because I have two people that I can actually say, and they're uh, <laughs> they're our own guys. Oh, okay. Oh. So, all right, let me let me guess one. Um, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess Frank. That's one of them. All right, Chip. Who do you think the other one is? Dot, right? It's not Dot. It's actually... I'll give you another shot, Chip. Who is it? It's got to be Knox or no? No, because Knox was after. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. It wasn't... If it wasn't Frank or Dot... Oh, DSJ? Yeah. Oh, wow. This fits very nicely with uh, Chip's tweet earlier today. (laughs) It does, it does it does it does, and I'm actually gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Desmond Jr. because I feel like he hasn't gotten the he hasn't gotten the what is it he hasn't gotten the time he hasn't gotten the proper like nurturing to actually like be the player that he is whether it was in Dallas like he got it the first year like they just let him run all the time and let him be the point guard that he wanted to be. But then you get, you know, you get Luca who then slides into being the point forward and just takes the ball right out of Dennis Smith Jr.'s hands. And like, he, he's not an off ball player. Right. And then he comes to the Knicks in that trade and you see a little bit of something that we saw that first year. And then this year, it's just go back to having Julius Randall playing point forward and, you know, just a whole litany of other guards just switch in there. We had, RJ running point. We had Alonzo running point. First game of the year. And then we got Frank. You know, so like he hasn't been given the right situation to actually like perform and to excel. But Dennis Smith Jr., like we knew him when he came out. Athletic, was to attack the rim, take the contact, highlight reel, just because of his dunks. Shot was what needed working on. We know he was injury prone. Um, Defense was a concern just because of his size, and he's not really able to guard like one and two that easily. And he's he loses a little focus on defense. But I'd like to see him actually succeed. I think he has a lot of talent to to do something in this league. He's an explosive guard. I think what he really needs to focus on is understanding what type of player he wants to be and where he needs to like work on his deficiencies, which is passing, decision making, and being better on defense. Like if he actually chooses to like work at those things and understand that, you know, you have to, in this league, you have to prove yourself. It's not going to be given to you. I think he was given it to him. It was given to him his first year and he was expecting that it was going to be given to him again when he came to the Knicks. But 
you know, in this in this type of, in the league, like you have to earn it. And Desmond Jr. is like the guy who I'd want to see like actually do it. He's so fun to watch, man, especially when he's like rolling and just getting into the whole groove. Like you see it, like when he had those good games where he was scoring like 15 points, even getting like eight assists and a, and a few boards, like you're like, okay, that's the Desmond Jr. I want to see night in, night out. But unfortunately, it wasn't consistent. Knicks, that he also got injured. The situation is just terrible. But I'd like to see him. And I don't know if he's going to be with the Knicks, but it, I don't. And it's not going to be with the Knicks. I can't think off the top of my head with a team that needs him as a guard. I would maybe I think like actually I did I did the Laurie Markin and like trade piece. I say Phoenix because I think he would actually fit there behind Rubio, Warren behind Rubio, like how to be a passer and a decision maker, and then he could just swat in right there, especially if they keep Devin Booker. I um you know I I'll I'll be interested if if Chip. Uh, agrees with me here but like I actually agree Alex that like so I definitely think playing time was given to him in Dallas based on where he was drafted once Luca comes in and, and shows how great he is that wasn't going to be the case anymore I actually do think in New York like I feel like the way um, David Fisdale had kind of talked about Smith um I felt like he he favored him and he he wanted him to succeed early on, um, and I and I think that like the thing I, the positive thing I want to say about Smith is I know that the numbers are not going to support this, but I I saw it with my own eyes. Like when he started playing, there were times where he was really engaged on the defensive end, and there were times where I remember saying to myself, I was like, this is a different Dennis Smith Jr. Like, I remember one of the Mavericks games specifically that he was getting into guards, uh, tagging the role man, like helping, um, you know, really battling for rebounds as a very athletic guard. And, um, you know, I think when he came to the Knicks um, and then I think coming into training camp this year, like he was he was portraying himself as a leader. Like when when he was talking to reporters he was, I believe he looked at himself as a guy that was A, going to get the starting job and B, going to also like help, you know, other guards on the team. Like, I think he was really, really dead set on that happen. And then obviously, you know, he had a tragic death in his family. Um, he had a back injury and his shooting was really, really off all year. But I mean, like if he's literally the poster player for guys that you want to take a flyer on in terms of like talent is there he's still young if you can get his shot right I don't know Chip how do you uh what, what do you have to say on DSJ no I think he's definitely the poster child for that a lot of teams are going to say let's take a flyer on we saw at the trade deadline I think Begley reported Orlando was oh, interested yeah. Minnesota yep. right yeah uh I don't know if uh that either team is going to still be interested uh minnesota it seems like has a, a backup point guard problem and orlando same thing because dj augustine is a free agent and they're gonna have to fill that void i'm not sure if they want two point guards who can't shoot threes though but uh i don't think he's gonna have a problem finding a job because again he's a high pick and 
there's always going to be a GM out there who's going to want to puff their chest out and be like, oh, I'm the guy who unlocked Dennis Smith Jr., who uh, Rick Carlisle couldn't unlock, uh, the Knicks couldn't unlock, whatever. Um, and yeah, David Fisdale definitely favored him, preferred him over Frank Nielakina. And I don't think that really did him any favors. Yeah. Like he got kind of a big head over that, especially after the way things ended in Dallas. He didn't handle that very well. You know, he kind of threw a shit fit after he got moved to the bench. And it didn't reflect well on him. And that carried over into New York. And again, things were terrible for him this year. But I think he lost his stepmom, right? Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. And he just wasn't the same player this year. He. He had that brief stretch for us last year where he was good, but he just wasn't the same player in New York that he was in Dallas. Yeah, I think we'll we'll all remember that highlight. I, f- I think it was last year where he threw some type of lob. I forget or I, I forget if it was off the backboard to Mitch or if it was just up to Mitch. But I think we were all kind of hoping that we'd see more of that um, this year. Um, this this next. Uh, um, okay, so so the, I I keep forgetting, but that was Alex's number three. Yep. We're actually gonna skip over uh, because my three was Thon Maker and Chip. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure yours was Zach Collins. It was. Yeah. We've already touched on. Uh, so we're gonna go back to Alex here for number two. But I'm assuming that it's Frank, right or no? Um, it is not Frank. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> Yeah, it is not Frank because it was my it was, so it was my decision to like if I want which one I wanted to use. For oh, the at three. three, okay. At three, okay. At three, yeah. So my number two though is Malik Monk. <laughs> wow, all right. I was gonna do. I was gonna say him. Yeah, I'm glad you picked him, Malik Monk. That's so. Speaking about it, if we're gonna tie it back to Desmond Jr. for a little bit, uh, Hornets were another one that was in the trade rumors. Remember where we could just swap Malik and DSJ yep. essentially. Um, and I don't know if that would necessarily work out, but going on to Malik, this is a guy who we wanted, who we saw coming in, like when he was at Kentucky, flourished with Fox, came in and was like, okay, we're going to get speed, shooting, like athletic, uh, you can just stop on a dime and shift in midair, um, finish, like potentially like a good finisher, just hasn't transpired the first two years, and then we saw it this year and he was like it seems like he was starting to get into it until he got caught with PEDs but this is like I just want to see him like do well he just need, he has a shot he has a speed Sh- Charlotte is just I feel like Charlotte is just <laughs> talk about it like a poorly ran organization like the Knicks the Bulls the Suns Hornets are right up there and they just don't like they're just not letting him like flourish and instead what they do instead of like giving him the the chance to like even try to run some point who they bring in they overpay Terry Rozier who is also a consideration for this list but I was like nah, 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 not at all um, um, yeah and like you bring in Terry Rozier and he takes over he didn't like slides into what Monk should be doing and then you slide Monk to two because he could be a combo guard but once again it's just like there's too many things going on in Char- Char- in Charlotte where they're not giving everyone like enough time to like develop play into their roles, like really get a feel for the game. And that's what's going on with Malik. Yeah. Um, Malik Monk, uh, to this day 
is always going to be tied to Frank Nilakina and, and uh, DSJ. Um, I, I remember a, a weird stat about him. There was, there was a guy, I think his name was Steve Shea. He had created some metric um, that he was supposed to forecast uh, like what, you, what, t- what your production would be like at the pro level. And he had shown, based off previous drafts, that this metric in particular, I forget exactly what the metric was called, but he had shown that this metric was was fairly accurate. And this metric, uh, Malik Monk was number one in the draft class. And so I remember thinking, I was like, oh my God, if the Knicks got this guy, it would be so amazing. Uh, Fast forward some years, and, and this has not been the case. But I think the thing that you loved about him coming out of college was like not only was he like a proficient uh, and prolific three-point shooter, but he could really shoot off the dribble like like well. Um, he could really balance himself in the air, pull up, um, and coaches and organizations, front office staff are really gonna value that a lot. Um, but you know, hasn't hasn't worked out that well for him so far. Yeah, Devontae Graham took the role that he was supposed to be playing. He got Wally pipped by Devontae Graham, for sure. So, I mean, they thought he was going to be doing that for them, and now he's not. I mean, he had the cha- he had the opportunities. They gave him plenty of opportunities, and he blew it. So, he's got to be looking for a new team at some point. And now it's, I mean, that, that backcourt of Graham and Rozier is a total mismatch, but... Uh, Monk's time in Charlotte, especially with the PED suspension, is up. But I agree with you. I think he goes somewhere new. It's possible he catches on somewhere. We'll see. Depends on the coach and the situation. He's got talent. I'm not sure if he's the knockdown shooter that it was reported and the scouting reports were saying he was when he first came into the league. I mean, he's a career below league average shooter for his career on plenty of attempts. He gets up as many attempts as he possibly can. So we'll see about that. But uh, he's got plenty of time. He's still very young. I think uh, that'll take us to my number two. So are you guys ready for another deep cut? Okay. Uh, I, I expect a lot of question, questioning, uh, question marks and puzzled looks when I say this name. But I talked about him a little bit on, I forget if it was our last podcast, or it might have been the last pod that Alex was on. But uh, after doing kind of like a deep dive into this guy's stats, I'm a huge, huge proponent fan of Pat Connaughton, um, Milwaukee <laughs> Bucks. Um, and That's not a deep cut. I That's mean, not it's cut. not, it's not, well, I'll, I'll say this. The reason I guess, I think, I, I think it's a, I think, I, I legitimately believe in him. But I think it's a little deep because he's 27, so he's not. He doesn't have the age on his side um, that that some of these guys do. But he's a six-five guard with plus plus athleticism, and uh, I'm gonna go into that in a, in a little bit. Averages around 18 to 20 minutes per game. Shot 32% on threes this year, so the percentage isn't great, but he's been steadily increasing his attempts. Uh, 45% from the field. Uh, this is really what I love about him. He, coming out of his draft class, he was literally first out of the combine in max vert, standing vert, lane agility, and the three-quarter sprint. Like, that is elite athleticism, um, no matter how you slice it. 
Uh, per cleaning the glass, he finished he finished at the rim within the 91st percentile, 90th percentile in offensive rebounding. I think this this kid is just begging for either some team or the Bucks uh, to give him more minutes because I think he's going to shine in that role. From what I've read, uh, he seems like a player that's fairly with it, understanding of offensive and defensive schemes. Like I think there's a there's a it's very plausible that there's a world out there where he is a very successful role player in the near future. Um, and I would be excited for that because I think he's he's fun to watch when he's on the court. I think he was in the dunk contest this year, too, if I'm not mistaken. That he was. That he was. Yeah. He did the white man can't jump. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was good. Yeah, isn't he already kind of important to Milwaukee? I mean, he, nah, he's not like key or anything. I mean, but. he is, but he's only, I mean, like, with his production, mm, I mean, you know, he's he's there-ish. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's, I didn't realize he was 27. I did not know he was 27 either. Yeah. So uh, I thought. But I guess he did play four years of college. He must have redshirted a year, too. Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah, he was very good in college. That was back when God Notre Dame has sucked for so long now. Yeah, they have. That was back when they were good. <laughs> Been shit for a while. I like that Connaughton. He's a solid player. Yeah, I like I like what he showed on Milwaukee. I feel like he's fitting into the system, but at the same time, like it's Mike Boomholzer, uh, so he knows what to do with all of his players and how to utilize them. So, I get my sentiments with, with you, Jeff. Like I'd like to see him get more of a role. He's efficient for like time he's getting he gets 18 minutes around 18 minutes a game and he's averaging five points four boards three uh, assists you know. i think or just over three assists no uh, closer to assists oh okay closer to but yeah like no it's solid for such limited play and being a bench guy that's that's phenomenal i guess like he's already reaching the the peak of his of his like like what athleticism for like his career, so like you have this until like he's thirty. I don't know how much more you can get out of him, like what else you can look for out of him. But he's he's solid. That's actually that's actually how he plays. That's a good point, Alex. Like he would definitely the shooting numbers would have to go up pretty significantly for him to kind of reach what I want him to reach. Because like what you just said is correct. Athletically, it's not like he's going to get better. You know, if anything, it's going to taper off a little bit from here on out, so. Yeah, I like Pat Conte. He's fun to watch. He's exciting. Like, when he plays on the Bucks and he gets, because there are moments where he gets, like, clear lanes for, like, fun dunks, and he oh, does yeah. it. So, got to enjoy that. And fun fact, I played with his cousin out here in uh, the Boston area. Oh, wow. His cousin. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, nice guy. Says uh, <laughs> Pat Connaughton, if you're listening to this, he would like a little bit more gear shipped to his house that he could. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. A little, a little gripe. <laughs> That's hilarious. But nonetheless, I like it. Chip, what about uh, your number two? My number two is, uh, you know, I had to bring a dookie into this one. So I got Harry Giles on here. Harry Giles, yes. Yeah. Uh, 2017, 22nd pick overall. Again, you bring up Harry Giles, of course, the first thing you have to bring up is injuries. Cause that's the only concern. Uh, I was looking, I was looking him up and I, f- 
found uh, an interview Tatum did with Bill Simmons, I think it was a couple years ago, when he said the only player he ever played against uh, in high school who he felt like was better than him was Harry Giles, who he ended up playing with at Duke. And Giles was actually the higher recruit. Yeah, he was. And he nev- he was injured at Duke. He never played at Duke. He, he averaged like less than 20 minutes a game. He was supposed to be the number one pick. He was super high. Uh, he was number one overall recruit, supposed to be number one pick, and he's just never been healthy. But when he has been healthy, he's been so impressive. I mean, the numbers aren't spectacular, of course, but he's, if you look deeper at it, I mean, his post-up opportunities, he was, I think, twenty, yeah, 23% frequency in post-up opportunities last year. But his post-up opportunities went down this year. He's below... Rashawn Holmes obviously emerged this year, and that took touches away from him. And uh, He's below Bagley. He's below Bielitsa on the depth chart. When Sacramento declined his option, obviously that meant they were giving up on him and he's moving down in the rotation. He moves well without the ball. He's a very underrated passer. Uh, again, like Scal I was talking about before, he's heavily dependent on the mid-range. Like this year... This year, 53% of his shots, according to Clean Glass, were mid-range shots. 23% were long uh, mid-range shots, which is way too much. And both those numbers are in the 99th percentile for uh, bigs. And that would be one thing if he was making them, but he only shot 41% on those shots. That's not great. So I would say he needs to shoot more at the rim. I would like that because he shot 75% at the rim this year. He went. He was Really, really good. And he only took 47% of his shots at the rim. And when he got there, he shot a lot better at the free throw line. He shot 77% at the free throw line this year. And I'm not saying he's going to be like a three-point marksman ever because he's only taken six three-pointers in his entire career and he missed all six. And I was looking at the videos and two of them were uh, chucking him up at the end of the shot clock as the shot clock was going down. So he's really only taken four in his career. Um, But... He's uh, last year he developed a really good chem and, and this year too. A re- the numbers just didn't show it this year. The chemistry with De'Aaron Fox was really good. The numbers and the video all showed it. Um, he actually has a really good handle. There's some highlight to him. Uh, not not a great handle, but he can handle it in the fast break. There's some highlights to him doing that. But he's a he's an old school big man for sure. Back to the basket. That's how he thrives. He's a solid rebounder. He can. He can do some things on the offensive glass. He's very good on the offensive glass. Uh, his opportunities just dipped this year. You know, Sacramento, like I said, declined his option. And uh, he moved back in the depth chart. And, you know, I think they solidified getting, giving up on him when they drafted Bagley. But when Rashawn Holmes emerged, too, it, they kind of, for sure, uh, moved him back. And with... Giles, it's never been a matter of talent. It's always been a matter of can he stay healthy. You know, he's been in the league, I think, three years now, and he's played 96 games. So, and he's he's averaging less than 15 minutes a game. He's always kind of been treated with kid gloves, and rightfully so. But, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of whether or not he can stay healthy. And if you can get him on a one-year deal, which I assume you'd be able to do with a team option, he could end up being a steal. I think he's going to be – there's going to be a lot of interest. 
Yeah, and hope I, the Knicks are one of those teams. I really. I was do. actually thinking about the Knicks too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually, um, I knew that you were going to pick Harry Giles at some yeah. point in this list, so I intentionally left him off mine. <laughs> but Harry Giles is a great example of uh, somebody that should be on this list. Um, every now and then, I see a, a little clip or a highlight on Sports Center of him, and you're just kind of sitting there like, "Wow, you know, like what what could be?" Um, and I remember. Um, what chip? What year? Where did we pick? And what year was it that, that he got drafted? Twenty seventeen. He was twenty second. Yeah, twenty seventeen. He was the twenty second pick. Yeah. I because re- I remember that. Uh, I don't know if we had a late first rounder, um, but I remember there was a mock draft that came out that actually had Giles to us. Um, for some reason, I remember getting pretty pumped about that, but um, or it could have been earlier in the year when we were like further up in those rankings, and and he was at he was at our spot, but then because he didn't play, he moved down. I forget, but uh, yeah, definitely a player that's worth being on this list for sure. I like Giles. I think he I think he's another one like Collins though, where he just needs the right fit, the right opportunity with the right team, right? So oh, yeah. he just needs to show, like he every like Chip said, when he gets on the court, he shows he has the talent. He shows that he's capable. If you look at the numbers, he's actually been consistent and he's effective when he's on the court. And he's, and he's somewhat efficient. Like, he's not, he can still improve, but he can, he's not going to kill you. You know what I mean? When he gets on the court. I think I would like. We're gonna talk about the Knicks. Like, I think this is a guy the Knicks can totally take a waiver on for like oh, yeah. power forward. Like, this is a guy who you just see on waivers. You're like, yep, that's a guy I want. And that's what I'm, guy I'm like willing to risk on because he's what, like low stock on him, buy low. Hopefully, he tra- transfers into something. And like Chip said, like especially if we got Perry giving out team options, <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? Right. Um, Problem is, there's going to be a lot of interest. Yeah, that's them. true. This yeah. is very true. As we uh, move towards the uh, final round of this list, again, Alex, as the guest, you're going to start us off here. Your number one pick for the reclamation project that is most likely to turn things around. Who you got? Josh Jackson. Oh, me too. <laughs> that's crazy. Really? You guys are yes. Talking. Well, dude, I, I, wait for it, Chip. I, I, I wonder um, what Alex is going to say here because I got some stuff to go in on, man. I, I, he's, he's, he's turning around. He's turning he's around. He's turning around Memphis, man. So, like, Josh Jackson came in. Was it the fourth pick for Phoenix? I think when he was with Phoenix, he had too much responsibility with that team and what, what he was. Like, even though Devin Booker's there, like, you, you know it's Booker's team, but – Jackson felt like he was like the next guy. Like he had to have that responsibility and like show just couldn't put it together. Everything that you saw in college, it just dropped. Goes to the G league, goes to the Memphis, comes up with Memphis. And now you start to see that he's actually playing within himself and not doing more than he should be doing. You're starting to see him use his athleticism, drive to the lane, take some contact. He's taking shots. His jumper actually looks a little bit better like than what it did when he came into the league, which is looking, it's looking a little bit more smooth. Yeah. Still got to work on it, but he's getting there. But I like, I like Josh Jackson. I think when you start looking at him, like what he's done from like 
from his first year. Like, yeah, he put up 13 points a game, but his shooting, he was shooting like, oh, was it? He was shooting 41% from the field, and he was shooting abysmal, abysmal from three-point land, 26%. Now he's shooting 44% from the field, and now 32% from three. He's made the improvements. And that's like, and he wasn't even taking that many at threes when he was came in. He was taking about three a game. Now he's taking four. He's taking like another shot extra. But yeah, he's bombing. Time, he's letting them go now. Letting them go, and on limited playing time, on limited playing time, he's not in the tw- he's not in the mid to high twenties. They put him like under twenty minutes a game when he came back up, and he's showing. He's showing that he's putting it all together. Let me uh, let me add a little bit onto that. So I also had Josh, Josh Jackson at one. I'm going to give a big shout-out to a guy we've had on the pod before, Matt Esposito, really talented writer for a site that he runs called The Playgrounder. He um, did a Josh Jackson reclamation piece that I, I cited a whole bunch of stats from. So um, he's only he only played in 18 games this year. So right off the bat, you got to be wary of a small sample size. But as Alex said... The G League did help him. So this is what I look for. If you're not a good shooter, shooting is all about uh, confidence, muscle memory, and repetition, right? Uh, There are guys, right? Frank Nilakina is certainly a name that comes to mind that is afraid to shoot. Now, when he's been confident and he's gotten time on the court, um, he's improved in that area a little bit. But what I love about Josh Jackson is even though the percentages are going up and they're still not league average, right? This dude in the last 10 games before the shutdown, he was putting up like 5.3 attempts per game. And he was getting up to 36% from three. Again, this is the last 10 games, not the whole season. 46 from the field, uh, 13-2-2, showing really great body control going at defenders, finishing at the rim, um, averaging a steal per game. The Grizzlies did not pick up his fourth-year option. Okay, so he's going to be a, an unrestricted free agent. But I think this is a guy, 6'8", still all the physical tools, a pretty tenacious defender um, that is now, I think, becoming confident and knowledgeable of his role in the NBA. Um, and much like we've talked about with all of these guys, you put him in the right position, now you give him a one-year deal, a prove-it deal, um, I think he's going to be in a better situation. He was never going to be the guy for Phoenix. Um, and I think that's that's been the problem with a lot of young guys that come in, is not only do they think they have to be the best scorer, the best defender, the face of the franchise, it's a crazy amount of pressure to have on a kid. It didn't work for him. But I think he's in a place now, um, based on what we've seen recently, where he's using his talents functionally, uh, to a point where they're contributing to, I don't want to say winning on a consistent basis, but improving in that area. So I, I like him going forward. So is he in a good spot in Memphis for him? Well, I actually like Memphis because, I mean, you have Ja, um, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark. Like that team, that team is transitioned from grit and grind, but they still have elements of grit and grind there. I actually, I mean, he wouldn't be a bad fit there, but they declined his fourth-year option, so I highly doubt they bring him back, but we'll see. Yeah, that's what, that was going to be my point. Like, if he's if he was so good there, why'd they decline his option, well, right? Well, no, but they declined the option in October, so, I, you know, he's he's been playing well since then. 
Oh, really? Okay. I'm pretty, yeah, I I'm mean, pretty sure they declined it in, I, I forget the exact date, but I'm pretty sure, um, you know, he he started playing better after after it was declined. Yeah. So they didn't expect him to play like this. Yeah. Obviously. No, no. one did. No one did. No, no one did. No one did. And it's like, I think for any team, it's just like what we did with uh, Frank this year. Teams have to make that decision before the start of the season if you're going to extend them. And with Josh Jackson's previous playing history, the Grizzlies were like, well, we haven't seen enough. And based on your record, we shouldn't extend you. So you got to prove it right now. I think he actually does fit with the Grizz because, like, he's playing. They have him, like, at shooting guard, like, listed as shooting guard for the team. But he's playing more of, like, a playing more on the wing. So between shooting guards, small forward. And I think between him, Dylan Brooks, Ja, Jared Jackson Jr., like, that's a – I think it's pretty formidable, and you don't have to rely on him. Like, Ja is the go-to guy. Triple J is, like, the next go-to guy. And then Dylan Brooks is coming into his own. So Jackson actually has, like, the chance to not be, like, that go-to scorer that he came to the league known as. So I think I like the situation for him in Memphis. I hope Hopefully they, they keep him. I, I can't wait till Frank Nielakina's contract negotiations and Nick's fans' reactions <laughs> to that. <laughs> It doesn't that's, matter that's how it be goes. Another podcast. It's going to be a fucking shit show. That's going to oh, be another God. podcast. We'll have to do – there'll have to be an emergency podcast for the reaction to that, whether he signs or whether it doesn't go through, whether they decline. Right. It doesn't really matter. Right. <laughs> if you thought Nick's Twitter was heated over Alonzo Trier, wait until oh. the day Frank has to be resolved. It's going to be insane. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if he gets like – nine or ten million dollars per year it's going to be the frank haters are going to be furious yeah they furious. are furious they are it could be like nine million twenty nine or three years 27 million it's going to be the end of the world yeah and if the and if he doesn't get re-signed it's going to be even crazier but the people who love him i agree the the app's going to shut down there's two reasons the apps are going to show the, the Twitter's going to shut down. One, the Knicks actually won the championship. Two, Frank Nilkina got dealt. If Frank Nilkina gets traded, people will protest the Knicks. Oh, yeah. People I will, can see that. Yeah. Actually, to go back to the Trier comments earlier, uh, <laughs> I find it funny that we have Frank fans coming out here saying, talking about Trier, just like, eh. I'm just like, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your guy averages four a game. So. <laughs> I'm I sorry. Mean, he's great. He's what? great. On I love Frank. I oh, love so Frank. Do I. So do yeah. I. I love Frank too, but it's like, I'm going to like, I'm going to maintain the same thing. Like if I want to see these guys develop, I want to see these guys develop. I'm not going to be like, oh, snap. Trier sucks. Frank's great. I'm just like, the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. It just was like we were saying before, Nick's fan value traditionally value defense over offense true and frank they just love frank because he plays defense if alonzo Trier played any sort of defense i think they would value him not as much as they value frank but it doesn't matter if frankie lakina ever makes a jump shot again he could go oh for a million for the rest of his career and nick's fans would still worship him the way they do right now he could never make a three-pointer again and it wouldn't zero, matter he'd have zero points yeah. six, six boards five steals yep four assists Yep. Dude was efficient. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You don't need to do it, Frank. He could be Draymond from three. It just wouldn't matter. It's Chips crazy, it but it's true. It's true. 
And then Chip, who do you have? Your our, our last guy up here, the number one reclamation project that you're willing to bet on. Well, his reclamation project kind of already started and is already it's already underway. But uh, I'm going with the number one overall pick in 2017. Markel Fultz. Fultz. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. like it. Obviously, Philly was a disaster. He bounced back huge in Orlando. Uh, two spots ahead of Jason Tatum. He's always going to be connected there with the trade with Boston. Uh, in a great spot. We talked a lot about how guys need to change the scenery. They need a new spot. I think he's in a great spot because Steve Clifford is a point guard coach. Kemba Walker has talked about how much how Steve Clifford helped him move along. The expectations are a lot lower in Orlando. It's a lot like the situation who uh, the people who believe Andrew Wiggins is going to succeed in Golden State are describing there. Like, uh, without the number one pick expectations, I think Fultz can really thrive. Like, those expectations were killing his confidence. If you watch him this year, he was playing with a confidence he never had in Philly. The jumper still isn't there. He was 25% on threes, but he shot 72% in the from the line, which was a huge improvement. And uh, according to Clean the Glass, he shot 41% on mid-range attempt. Again, huge improvement. With work, the shot will come. He's been a good defender from his first day in the league, and I think he can be a starting caliber point guard. I really do. And his metrics as a, a pick-and-roll ball handler are good, and uh, the metrics as like a, a transition ball handler are really good. He's in like the 81st, 82nd percentile as a transition ball handler. Uh, he just needs to come along, like most young players, he just needs to come along more in the half court. He's only 22 years old, just turned 22 in May, May 29th. But, uh, yeah, I think he's plenty of room for improvement, of course. But, uh, again, the primary area being his jump shot. But he breaks down the defense well. I think he's be really special. He was picked number one overall for a reason, man. A lot of talent with Marco Fultz. Oh yeah, um, that is. If you are, if you are somehow rooting against Markel Fultz, unless you know maybe you're a, a Stanford fan and and he tore up your team in college, like there's something <laughs> wrong with you. Like Markel Fultz's turnaround is is nothing short of amazing. Um, anyone who's had issues, uh, whether they're, they're sports based or anything that's psychologically based where you, you are so at the top of your game in one area and completely fall off, um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, that's like an incredibly frightening experience, especially for someone who's got a lot of expectations, paid a lot of money, um, to be something that, that they weren't. And uh, I, I think it's been really awesome to see Fultz dig himself out of this. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm at 1,000% rooting for this kid to to get back. And he's already done enough, you know, but I think, you know, he's, he's certainly pushing along. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of like if he stays with the Magic or, or if he goes somewhere else. But um, certainly believe that. There, there's brighter days ahead for sure. Alex, what do you think? I agree with everything that you guys said. Like, hello, he's already started. Like, well, as you point out, he's already started like 
the rise of like going back, going to the magic and you just see the confidence, like as Chip said, like the confidence that he, like when he gets on the court, it's like, he's ready to go. Like he's ready to attack. He's ready to do what he feels comfortable doing when he was in college. Like as everyone's, as both of you said, like the shot is not fully there yet, but he's still working through it. I'm guessing he still has that injury and still like, it's still bothering him, but it's going to come. Like he, he was in the top three for a reason. We saw what he did at Washington. Like, it's not like that's a fluke. It, unfortunately, Philadelphia didn't help him by like having all these highlight videos of him, like getting his shot together and coming back. It's like, let him come back in peace. Like, no one needs to know where he is at this moment in time, like in his rehab. I felt like that put a lot of pressure on him when he tried to come back. And he just got into his brain, like, and just between the between the ears, man, it was just messing with him. Like, he was thinking too much. He was like, he had to feel that he had to prove something because he had Simmons, you have, you have Simmons, Embiid, and Butler that year. And then when you have Fultz, it's kind of like, well, we need all these guys to succeed now, succeed now. And you have Fultz coming back, and it's like, you guys, you have to keep up with these guys. Like, from your rehab, it's, it's a lot to ask. And, yeah, they went to the playoffs, but it's still, like, a lot to ask from a dude who like wasn't ready and like they've just pushed him to come back but in the map down in Orlando he's like thriving he's feeling comfortable he's away from like a lot of media attention that he had in Philly and so now he's able to just like get back into his groove of everything I like that I like the picture uh, Chip I like I like folks I'm happy that he's actually starting to do well yeah most definitely um so that that closes it for us. That's um, kind of the end of our reclamation project list here. Um, as we go on, you know, I think you know Chip and I have been talking. We've been doing this NBA A through Z series. We're hoping to have a jazz writer on uh, very soon that we can talk about. You know, before the restart happens, July thirtieth. Um, Alex, I'm sure will be on on the pod. If not in the near future, sometime soon. Um, dude, we always love having you on. Great Hoops Habit writer. Um, you can follow him. I, I believe it's Tratocaster1. Caster101. 101, yes. 101. So definitely give Alex a follow. Read all his good work. Um, yeah, you know, I, we'll, we'll, we'll keep kind of coming back and forth with different topics. Uh, we've been doing redrafts and, and just kind of thinking of other things that we can talk about as well. But um yeah, we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll definitely be back soon. You guys have any final words before we kind of head off here tonight? Who was you? Okay, well, one. Thank you guys for always having me on. It's always a pleasure to be hanging out with Chip, Jeff. Love talking hoops with you guys. Absolutely. Love, uh, love the deep cuts today. Love the deep cuts. <laughs> Throwing me off. Keep me on my toes. Okay, Wilson got... out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere. He thought Pat Connaughton was a deep cut. But yeah, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. That's I right. Guess before, I guess before we go, if we want to, like, I, I, who are your, like, who, who are, like, the honorable mentions that you guys have? Oh, I, I actually do have oh, one. Um, so this, but here, you can't really put him on the list because he's, like, been good. Um, but uh, I know Chip, Chip will probably like this, but a guy that I wanted to put on here was Tyus Jones. Uh, he actually signed a three-year, twenty-six million deal with the Grizzlies, and he been, he's been serving a nice role for them. But in okay. his draft class, he's top ten 
in um, hold on one second I have it right here he's top 10 in assists and um, box plus minus as well shot 45% from the field 37% on three um, his on off court stats are not great they're not like significantly bad or good one way or the other the team is a little bit better with him on the court defensively a little worse with him offensively but I like Tyus Jones a lot, man. I think he's really carved out a nice niche for himself. And um, honestly, if he already wasn't being paid um, what he's being paid, I probably would have put him on this list. Okay. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I like Tyus. Um, I was thinking about Juan Hernan Gomez. Uh, one guy I had on same, there. Same, same. Yeah, I had him on there. like him. Uh, and then Dwayne Bacon. The guy who I wrote about coming to the Knicks, I really wanted to put him on there, but I had already written about him too, so I didn't want to put another guy that I'd already written about. Uh, but yeah, I looked at Juan Gomez hard, but his numbers—he just wasn't as as as, ins, as inspiring, Jesus Christ, as the other guys that I put on there. Just uh, he's not much besides his uh, shooting and his defending leaves a lot to be desired. I'm not really sure if he can defend any NBA position. So I didn't put him on. And uh, not that defending in Minnesota seems to be a priority. He seems to be in the right with the right team as for a shitty defender. But yeah. I think he's in the right spot right now because he's just going to shoot a shit ton of threes. And he's a, that's his – he has one uh, good NBA skill right now. He's a catch-and-shoot shooter. And uh, I think he's going to do a good job with that in Minnesota. So we'll see. Okay, I'm gonna bring out the guys. That, I'm gonna bring out the guy I shocked you with last week. Uh, Trey Lyles is back on my oh, list yeah, again. Yeah, Trey yeah. Lyles is back on the podcast. Okay, back back on the Trey Lyles train. I just when I watch that dude, I'm just like he has talent. He just needs like he just I, there's just something else that he needs. He just needs I don't know if it's more opportunity because he's getting enough. He's getting 18 minutes a game. He just needs something else. Yeah. Um, but the other guy. I'm going to throw it out there because he's been hopping around this season. It's Jordan Bell. I like, I like Jordan Bell. Uh, I think he could be like a good – I think yeah. he could – he, he's a little undersized to be playing center, but I hope that he will get like a decent jumper just so he can either play like a backup center role and just like bring out the five or just even get some more burn at the four because if he gets like a, a decent jumper going, we have a solid player. More than a solid play that we have right now. Yeah. I think that's fair, too. Um, Okay. That's going to do it for us. Another episode of the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast in the books. I think this was actually our 25th. Um, And uh, we we will be back with you guys next week for sure. We hope everybody is staying safe out there and enjoying some of the good weather when we can. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.